Hey guys, it's Matt from He Says, She Says Comic Talk. I just wanted to let you guys know this is our 35th episode, our MCU rankings. I just wanted to apologize to everybody for the long hiatus we've been on. Uh, we recorded this episode like three or four weeks before my wedding. Things got out of hand. I didn't have time to edit it. And Ashley and I have both been hella busy this summer. Uh, we both got new jobs. We both moved to different cities. It's been crazy, so uh, we just wanted to make sure to let everybody know we're still here. We're still going to uh, be recording weekly, hopefully soon enough, once we both get settled. And the following episode is our we recorded right after the Civil War was released, and it is our rankings of all 13 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, so we hope you enjoy. Thanks. Why are you here? You are here because the outside world rejects you. Hello everybody and welcome to He Says, She Says Comic Talk, where we talk about geeky things, dorky things, and everything comic book related. I am Matt, the he of He Says, She Says. And I'm Ashley, the she of He Says, She Says. You ready to throw down? I am. I can take it. Oh yeah. We're going to have our own civil war here at He Says, She Says today. So as we discussed the past couple shows, we've been kind of planning this one for a while now, is now that Civil War has been released, we now have 13 Marvel Cinematic Universe films, and as true nerds, we're going to rank them 1 to 13 based on our own personal opinions, and given how passionate to me and my co-host are, there's probably going to be some disagreements. Yeah, probably. Well, not at the bottom. I think at the bottom we're we're going to be pretty much the same. It's going to be the middle where where we really start to. I think it will be the middle where things. I also think our top is probably going to be fairly similar. Like our top two or three are probably going to be fairly succinct. Right. It's uh, it'll it'll be fun. (laughs) The funny thing is, I think you and I agree more with each other. Like you and I have similar tastes. So I think whatever your list is, whatever my list is, no matter how different they are, independent of each other. I'm sure that whatever we get on like Twitter from the fans and the audience is just going to be like, why the F did you put that there? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I suspect that there will be some uh, disagreement with, with what I think is the best thing <laughs> for the Marvel Universe. I think that's the biggest challenge when it comes to especially Marvel films is like – seen it through an independent lens because it's just so easy for so many people to say, oh, you know, well, Iron Man, the original, is the highest on Rotten Tomatoes, so obviously that's got to be in the top five. Or the people who say, like, oh, Iron Man 2 did like started to set up the universe where we got, like, Black Widow came in and, you know, like, it, it did more world building. Mm-hmm. So there are people who are going to be like, oh, my gosh, that, that finally opened up the universe and made the world bigger. So, yeah, it just depends on what you want from these movies, I think. Yeah, it's, it's very open to interpretation. So having said that, we, we encourage discussion and debate from, from you, audience, as well as each other. But we also do want to say they're just movies and they're just opinion. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> entitled to their own opinion. So, let's, you know, let's, let's not get too personal about it. You can get passionate about it, but let's, let's, let's try and dial it down a bit. And, and I'm also talking to myself as I say this. So. <laughs> right, right. Like yeah. maybe, maybe try not to get too passionate. Yeah. <laughs> so what spawned this on, of course, though, like I said, is, is Civil War hit theaters. And that's kind of why we want it, because we've got a new film to kind of squeeze into a very, very big pool of movies. We t- we reviewed the movie last week. Is there anything you felt like we missed? Or is there any like did you see it again? What'd you think? I did see it again. <laughs> How many times is that total for you? Three. Three. And I there's a fourth planned for this weekend. Although this this time it's not my fault. My uh brother in law and my sister are on leave. You know, they're in the, the military and they were deployed overseas and they're on leave at home and they want to see it and they haven't yet. Mm-hmm. So so I will be seeing it again for them. Oh darn! So I guess you guys. I know see. it's patriotic <laughs> duty. It's my patriotic duty. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> no, normally, uh, when we record, I try and see it twice before we record. When we recorded last time, last week, I I actually had only seen it once, but I got to see it a second time after we recorded with my brother-in-law and my sister. 
And I, I still haven't seen it with the fiance, uh, Jess and I. I think I'm pretty sure Jess wants to see it, but this is just not a time for us to be <laughs> taking it oh, slow. Wedding's coming up and everything. Yeah. yeah. Her bridal shower is this coming weekend. Uh, my bachelor party is the weekend after, and we've got uh, we have to go to the church to do another class. You know, to make sure that you're like. They have to ask you all these really funny questions like, are you here against your will or not? <laughs> <laughs> so we have to do another one of those classes so they know that our, our, our marriage is legit. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know when we're going to have time to sneak in Civil War again, but hopefully I get to see it a third time. So I love that. Are you here against your will? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, okay. So I had this experience that I was telling you about before, I think, but the fir- very first time I saw Civil War, when Cap started beating up on the German cops, when the when the German cops show up to take Bucky. Okay, yeah, that's what I was about and, to ask. And they're trying to kill Bucky. I guess they're special forces or something, but they are cops. They say SWAT on their, on their uh, uniforms. <laughs> I had this like, oh my God, he's beating up on law enforcement. I was very uncomfortable, like really physically <laughs> uncomfortable. But there was that moment where like, Bucky was about to like throw one over the stairwell and Cap catches him and he's just kind of like, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Dick, what are you doing to me here? You know, but it's funny because I saw it again with, uh, with Catherine and Jonathan and I was sitting between the two of them and the cops bust in and start trying to kill Bucky. And I had this thought like, you know, if either one of these people and I were hanging out in their apartment and cops busted in and tried to kill them, I'd probably grab something and start hitting the cop. You know, like, it's, it's pretty it was, it was justified. A, right, exactly. It was this emotional, like, oh, yeah, I, I guess if someone was trying to kill my friend, it wouldn't really matter if they were law enforcement. Well, that kind of, I guess that kind of speaks to the genius of Zemo's plan because by releasing the fake footage that it was, that he was where the bomb went off, he's kind of what pushed the whole shoot on site thing. So the question then becomes, and there were a lot, was when it comes to Zemo's plan, like a lot of it did fall very perfectly into place. I, right. you know, I kind of let that go because that's what makes the movie fun. But, you know, if they did kill him on site, what happens next? Like, do obviously, like, does, does Steve Rogers and Tony Stark still have a, a throwdown that, that leads to the eventual revelation that, that uh, Bucky killed his parents? Or, like, does that have an impact? Or did he have the faith that Cap would be able to get Bucky out of it, thus starting the Civil War. So, I don't know. I don't know that he wanted them to shoot him on sight. I think they just wanted. I think he just wanted them to catch him. I think that, that was that was what. And it was lucky for him that Captain America. Well, but I thought Sharon <laughs> Carter said that orders are to shoot on sight. I thought that's one of the things that she told. Yeah. Him. The yes, the orders were, but Zemo didn't push it that way. Zemo just released the footage so that they would capture him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he thought that they'd get get trigger happy. <laughs> so again, it had to work very perfectly for Zemo's plan. It right, worked. right. It was it was very lucky for Zemo that Cap was like, yeah. "Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. I'm not letting them kill my friend." Yeah. The one thing I felt that we missed, I, I know I wanted to say it and I think I was like like it was on the tip of my tongue, but you and I just went in a different direction, which you know, we we tend to do because you know how we both can ramble. But yeah. <laughs> is I kind of was thinking about it the the scene where Tony and Steve are in the in the compound like behind the glass and they're talking and and he gives them the pens you know to sign the accords and they talk about maybe adding you know provisions that way Steve can sign and the funny part of it was where he where he says something about his dad and and Cap says like I never knew him as a married man he was single when I knew him and he goes you knew my dad. He never told me that, you know, all sarcastic. And I think of that, and I think of the time where Tony says, he killed my mom. He didn't say he killed my dad. So in a way, it's kind of like you have this brother versus brother war, not just a civil war. Like, Tony's kind of always been jealous of Steve Rogers because the way Howard Stark talked about him, like he was the son I never had, and Tony's like... "Ah." What about the son you do have who's right here? <laughs> you know, so that's kind of something that I found interesting. And I think it was, you know, it was it was subtle, but there was a nice undertone to to a more personal level of, you know, just not just being about I want to sign the accords. I don't want to sign the accords. So I thought that was kind of cool. Well, and it's not even just like you're the man my father liked more. 
it's it's your everybody thinks you're a better man than me, including my own father. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like no matter what he does, he can't seek approval from anybody, let alone his father. And, but, you know, just Cap's always Cap. <laughs> He's always the righteous guy. So I know. It is It is funny that, again, I watched Cap beat up on German law enforcement and was made uncomfortable by it, but was still completely like, yep, Cap. <laughs> yep. He's the good guy. It doesn't matter if he's beaten up on German cops. <laughs> right. Like, not Iron Man. If Iron Man beat up on police officers, I'd be like, what are you doing, you fool? <laughs> you well, you know, know but I mean, beating up on Germans is what Cap's been all about since the World War. So, you know. Oh, oh burn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, he's, he's used to it. <laughs> it might have not, like, maybe it would have had more of an impact if they were in like Switzerland <laughs> or, or oh. you know, or Belgium. <laughs> you know, but, England, England. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh. oh, gosh, that's that's horrible. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. All right, so we have our list ready. How do you feel about it? You you okay with it? You What was the process like for you? What was the list making process for you? I had to cut myself off. There there came a point where I was like, okay, no more shuffling. Yeah. Okay, this is this is what it is. I'm not completely 100% comfortable with it. I I don't doubt you are comfortable with yours either. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I went through three or four revisions. Like, I have them written out in front of me, and there are three pods of lists, and I know which one is the final one. But if you look at them, <laughs> there's all these lines of, like, move this one here and stuff like that. <laughs> so, and even now, like, at the absolute, like, we're, we're past the 11th hour, and, and I'm still trying to justify moving a certain movie. And I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's, it was a, it was much harder. Like, gosh, first world problems, man. <laughs> like, the, yes. hard, the hard choices in life is which movies I like more than others. So, I can't handle this. Uh... Yeah, I I don't feel that great about it. I tried to balance. Really, my what my problem was is I was trying to balance between what I thought was a better movie and what I enjoyed more. Uh huh. So there there are things ranked higher that I know are are ranked higher personally for me, and they're not necessarily better movies than the things below. But it, you did say this should be a personal preference. So. No, no, I think it should be a personal preference. I don't think you should say I, I I know what you're saying when you talk about like this was I liked this movie better but this was a better movie. I can understand that, but it is your list and I think it's you know the thing about my list is is finding the balance. And that was the tough part is like, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, well this movie has to be above this movie because it was better, but I like this movie more, you know, and it's just a matter of how much do I like it more versus like, is that gap between how much I like it and how good it re- I really feel it is? And then there's just, like, all kinds of other, like, mental gymnastics that I went through to, <laughs> to justify and come up with what I came up with. Because there's no consistency to my list. Like, I did notice some patterns. Like, I noticed that I tend, like, a lot of the Phase 1 movies are in the bottom half as opposed to the top mm-hmm. half, which I think speaks to they got better over time. And, you know, and we're going to do a lot of comparisons to the Rotten Tomato score and the box office score. So I think I've noticed that the Rotten Tomato score tend to favor earlier films, not necessarily earlier films like all the Phase 1 movies are ranked higher than all the Phase 2 movies. But, you know, like the Iron Man franchise, the Thor franchise individually, and the, and the Captain America franchise is that they kind of go in different directions based on like the Iron Man ones progressively go down. And for me, they progressively kind of loop in and out. So it just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's different in how I'm judging it. And I think they go down because it's one of the tougher things, and I know I'm just kind of all over the place, which is what my list is, <laughs> is, yeah. that, is to not be a prisoner of the moment and judge for what it is now. And, and to be honest, that was the hardest part when it came to where I wanted to shoehorn Civil War in. Because I just saw the movie and I'm still on the cloud of like, it was amazing, it's awesome. And it's just like, well, is it better than this movie or is it worse than this movie? I had to, you know, really pull back the lens and see like, okay, I love it now, but am I going to love it as much two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now? Yeah, yeah, that was a meter for me as well. Like, am I willing to to watch that over and over again? I Yeah, I tried to strike a balance too because what's what's funny is Iron Man... The fir- their first one is ranked much higher 
on my list than I would personally rank it in terms of wanting to watch it again and again. Mm-hmm. But you gotta give props. It's it's a really well put together movie. And that's something we <laughs> yeah. both talked about. Like it is hard to rank these because so many of them, like eighty five percent of them, are just high high quality. You know, and when mm-hmm. when you look at the metrics, we talked a lot about metrics, so I'm just gonna go straight into metrics. Like the lowest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes, which is what we use for critics, like that is like our gauge for whether a movie is good or bad, is what is this Rotten Tomatoes score? The lowest rated film is at a 66%. Like right. four of them are above 90. More than half the list is above 80. <laughs> like they're all what, yeah. what you consider fresh scores. That just speaks volumes. And it just happened today. Like it just happened right before we started recording that Civil War crossed the billion-dollar threshold. Like, I just tweeted it out, like, an hour ago. You've got four movies in a 13-movie franchise that have surpassed $1 billion worldwide. Like, these are good movies, both in terms of dollars and critics. So how do you rank (laughs) so many quality films without pissing somebody off who has a different opinion? So it's it's a it's a good problem to have when you're trying to choose between good movies, you know. Where, yes. Like if we were ranking all the Batman movies, like it's not going to be very hard to say Dark Knight's the best and Batman and Robin's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas opposed to this is a much much more tougher pool to pull from. So. Right. Yeah. It's a lot more difficult for sure. All right, it's time to bite the bullet. You ready to go? Huh. Okay. I, I am ready. I'm ready to go. I don't think we're going to have too much trouble again with this bottom five, but we're going to count down, people, from okay. 13 down to number one. We will alternate our choices. There will, of course, be some argument in the middle. My number 13 is Iron Man 3. It's, it's, it's a Rotten Tomatoes at 79%, which is not, you know, which is totally respectable, of course. Number, number eight. Yes, for their, yeah, for how in terms of uh, ranking them number-wise for Rotten Tomatoes, it's number eight. Its box office is 1.2 billion worldwide. Mm-hmm. So obviously, a lot of people liked this movie. <laughs> yes, they did. What What is your problem with it? Like, what? Why is it bottom a bottom feeder for you? It is the bottom feeder for me because I felt like it was tonally uneven. Mm-hmm. I I didn't like jumping from farce to deathly serious to PTSD to complete farce <laughs> and. I, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't like the tone. I didn't think that it really stuck out that much in terms of character development. I wasn't all that impressed with the big Mandarin switch up. In fact, I was kind of pissed off, if I'm honest. <laughs> and, uh, I still don't think it works, even in, even in the context of the film. I understand that a lot of people think that was hilarious, and, and they don't care because they didn't read the comics, and it's, that's not a thing to them at all. I just don't think it works. To to have turned Aldrich Killian, who is the red herring of the of the comic, mm-hmm. into into like the big bad, and then to take the Mandarin, who is a, an ongoing, really serious threat in the comics, and turn him into a joke. Mm-hmm. I just and I understand that they later made the they made a short film to apologize. All hail the king! But yeah, it yeah. just <laughs> didn't didn't work out that well for me. So all right, well, what's your number thirteen? My number 13, we're actually starting off very peacefully because my number 13 is Iron Man 3 as well. I, You know, this was uh, a lot of the Phase 1 movies I didn't see in theaters. Uh, I, like, I saw Iron Man 2 in theaters. I saw Avengers in theaters. But I think pretty much all the rest of them, I didn't see them until they came out on DVD. Iron Man 3 was the first movie. I've seen every movie since Avengers in theaters. And Iron Man 3 was the first one I saw where I was in the theater Thoroughly disappointed. And it was one of those things where, because I was just always like, oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. And I'm very easy to please. Like, it is not hard to please me (laughs) when it comes to a movie going experience. And I like, I just remember watching it and I watched it twice in the theater. Because the first time I saw it, I saw it with a friend and we, we went like opening night. And then I just came out and I didn't know how to feel. Like, I was just like, it was almost like I was embarrassed to say that I didn't like it because everybody loved it so much. And then, you know, the Rotten Tomato score comes out, the the box office, it, it was the first non-Avengers movie to cross the billion threshold. And which you could argue technically still is, because even though Civil War is a cap movie, it's, you know, more ensemble based. 
that Iron Man's in it. Yeah, and then I went to go see it a second time. And with another friend who really wanted to go, and I was just like, I have to see it again because I have to know what it is. And then I just realized, no, I didn't like it because, you know, source material is a big thing for me. And it's not just about what, you know, like like Age of Ultron, for example, is not based on the old Age of Ultron comic. But it's how well you capture the stories, like you have the right nods to the comic books, you have a good mix and match. The Extremis storyline in the comics is really, really good. Like, it is one of the better yes. Iron Man stories. And it upset me that it just, it, it fell so flat. And, you know, it was like Tony Stark's bare, like he's not even in the Iron Man suit when Iron Man is saving people, you know? Like that whole scene yeah. where the where the truck hits the suit and it comes apart, like that just, like that hurt. <laughs> like a lot of people laughed at it. To me it was just like, he wasn't there the whole time. Like right. it was just a rib. And and that's what that movie was. It was just nothing but like, oh, you disappointed me because the Mandarin Switch, I agree with you. It was horrible. And and so many people are just like, Oh, you know, it's it's a movie. Like it's glad they're trying something different. It's like you tell me if you could do that with the Joker. Like right. because that is what the Mandarin is to Iron Man. And and if you like, I was you know I did a lot of homework. I, I watched some of the movies again to see how I felt about them, and I did a lot of Wikipedia reading. And and I read in the development for the first Iron Man film is that they actually wanted to bring in Mandarin right away, but Favreau said, no, we shouldn't bring him in right away because we need to ground it more in realism before we start lending it to the Ten Rings and the more not believable, you know, the more fictitious stuff. And I mean, it's all fictitious, but you know, right, right, the how much fantasy? How, yeah, fantasy. how much leeway do you give it? And and Favreau was against it, and they were at a point where we've had enough leeway. We just had an alien invasion. Of course, yeah. we can have a guy with ten rings that can manipulate shit and stuff like that. But right. it it just uh, it they 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 wasted a golden opportunity. I also I don't understand why it was a Christmas movie in the summertime either. That that pissed me <laughs> off too. So anyways, so we both agree on that one. That was a great way to start on a harmonious <laughs> level. I, I, do, I, do, I think that that's a film, though, that just the reason why it was so successful, especially at the box office, and I think a reason why even Civil War and a lot of them are successful is because Robert Downey Jr. has more of a broad audience. He can bring in a casual fan to where it's not a big deal if you haven't seen the last Thor movie or Captain America movie. Iron Man's just Iron Man, and we love seeing Robert Downey Jr. be Robert Downey Jr., because that's, all, that's what he does on screen. He just acts like himself. It, <laughs> so. was, it was also the first post-Avengers movie. Yeah. So they it, were kind of riding the wave a little yes, bit. Yes. I, I think that everybody in the entire world had just seen Avengers and had just loved it and thought it was, it was the most amazing thing they'd ever seen. And so when the sequel to Avengers was coming out, because that's how they saw it, yes. they, you, mm. you know, they, they were like, oh, gosh, it's, it's the next Avengers movie. Then everybody went out and saw it. Mm-hmm. I and then they were a little surprised. They're like, "This is not quite what I was expecting." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, was yeah. there any real quickly before we go to twelve? Was there anything you liked about it? Yeah, I uh, I understand getting hit by the truck was a uh, kind of ending to it, but I actually liked the airplane action sequence. You could tell those people were honest to God falling through the air. <laughs> that that was that was very cool. Yeah, there were decent special effects. Uh, I actually, yeah. you know, the funny thing is, this is the one Favreau didn't direct, but I actually thought he did a good job as Happy Hogan. He <laughs> seemed to give him more of an acting role. That was kind of right. Funny. What had happened to Happy was was interesting. I, I on the one hand, I like that they addressed that Pepper and Tony had the, missed their big emotional moment because she didn't answer the phone. You know, when he yeah. was dying, and they addressed that he was up. Having trouble dealing with things, and that she was having trouble dealing with him. But on the other hand, I didn't like. I don't know, maybe just something about the way they handled it because they they would play it for comedy and then play it for serious. Mm-hmm. Like you do, I don't know. I, I totally uneven, but yeah. So I, I liked I liked that they addressed the aftermath of Avengers. I'll put it that way. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, number twelve. You go. The Incredible Hulk. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I actually think this movie is a little underrated because it's it's sixty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's number twelve for which matches up exactly with me. But lowest at the box office. It was two sixty three at the box office worldwide, which is very bad for these movies. It is 
well below the average. Well, but be a little fair, it was also only the second one they made of these 13. And also it had to deal with the aftermath of the 2003 film. <laughs> so that's another thing. Yeah, yes. it. it was handicapped for sure. And no one knew that it was in the same universe as as this Iron Man movie that a bunch of people had just seen. Like no yeah. no one understood that they were to you know, like this in the same world. Yeah, uh, I, I never knew that. I I knew I learned that like three or four years after it came out. I, I actually probably learned that in the Avengers when someone told me, Oh, they recast and I was like, Of course they recast. I was like, No, but it's the same continuity and I, I didn't know that you're so. like Robert Downey Jr. was in that he was in that movie he walks in and says we're getting a team together and I was like oh <gasps> you yeah. know like did I you saw, see that one in the theaters I did yeah I saw all of them in the theaters because I'm times. <laughs> multiple times although this was one that I, I only saw once or twice but I do I do I really do think it's underrated. It's funny that I'm starting out being like yeah I only saw it once or twice and it wasn't that great but no I, I really do think it's underrated I this is an extraordinary list of movies. If it weren't for the fact that everything else is so good, I, I do feel bad keeping it down there at 12. I thought that Edward Norton did a great job. I really loved all this the emotional stuff they did with him and Betty where they, they show what it has cost him to become the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they weren't afraid to also let the movie be fun and enjoyable. It introduced us to Thaddeus Ross, who was just uh, pretty effective in this Civil War movie. Same actor and everything. Yeah, William Hurt is pretty awesome. <laughs> when Hulk, they, when uh, they do the sound machine against Hulk, that's that sequence at the uh, university, and they're using the sound machine to bring him down to his knees, and then he gets up, and you just see on his face like, "Oh man, <laughs> yeah. you're you're gonna wish that that had worked," you know. I thought the action was good. I I really do think it's a, a very underrated movie, and I recommend it uh, to people. Well, I'm very surprised because number 12, right now we have an identical list. <laughs> number 12 is The Incredible Hulk for me as well. I actually, this is one I legitimately had to see again to figure out where I wanted to put in this list because my original list, I had it at 13, but I realized I actually had never seen it beginning to end. Oh. I, I would catch like you flipping channels and it comes on on FX a lot and there'd be lots of times where it'd be on FX and I'd be like, okay. Let me watch it. And but I never actually seen it, like I said, beginning to end. I saw, you know, the fight with Abomination in Harlem. I saw the sequence you were just talking about where they're fighting at the college. But I had just never like seen it whole and I had to watch it whole in order to make a fair assessment on where I'm putting it on this list. I agree with you that it was a lot better than what I thought it would be now that I actually saw it beginning to end. But it's just a really weird movie and that's why I keep it down because First of all, the fact that they recast him, you know, Edward Norton didn't come back in the Avengers, and the fact that Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk now, I mean, like, you can't recast him at this point. <laughs> so, I, it's, it's so replaceable. Like, you can take it out, and, it, like, it doesn't even matter, because when I saw the Avengers the first time, that was the thing, is, like, Mark Ruffalo just fit in, like, you don't really need to know all this other backstory stuff with Betty or anything, just know that... The Hulk is the Hulk. He's Bruce Banner, and he, you know, comes into the Avengers, and that's it. it. It's it's very forgettable, and that's why I have it so low. I also think it, you know, like kind of the, what I said before, it, it suffers like the the last Hulk movie kind of brings it down. And what I didn't realize, having never seen it beginning to end before, and when I did, is how they do that origin story with like you know just the real light flashes of you know Liv Tyler and and William Hurt and you know. Edward Norton kind of just like slowly chopping and you know like I said this goes back to the homework I did like they called it a soft reboot so if you believe that and you take that origin sequence they have at the beginning in the first few minutes then theoretically the Ang Lee movie is the first movie of the MCU (laughs) and I don't like to believe that so that also hurts this movie's cause and you know so it's it it doesn't have good rewatchability for me. It's uh it, it's got a lot of handicaps and that's kind of why I have it at 12. So and compared to the populace, I mean, lowest grossing and second to lowest on the Rotten Tomato score. So it's it's where it needs to be. All right, all right. Okay. Number and 11. Here I go. This is where I know we're going to start arguing. So go ahead, number 11. 11 Iron Man 2 for me. Okay. Do you want me to say mine or are you going to... You can go ahead. You can go ahead. 
At number 11 for me, I'm ready for you to get upset. Captain America, the first Avenger. No. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Oh, no. Okay, why, why is Iron Man 2 number 11 for you? And then I'll say why Cap is for I me. Oh, my gosh. Again, with the tone, I think the Iron Man movies kind of have a, a problem with the, their villains are kind of laughable. I mean, I, Justin Hammer, I never took him remotely seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, can you take Sam Rockwell that seriously to begin with? I could totally take Sam Rockwell seriously if he wants to be taken seriously, but he didn't really want to be taken seriously in that movie. But, yeah, I... I, on the one hand, I acknowledge that it opened up the universe, right? Like, I, I should again, I will say this a hundred thousand times. These are very good movies. I don't think this was an awful movie at all. I would still watch it again. But it opened up the universe. We got Black Widow. We got some other things. We we sort of began to understand Shield. And okay, yes, the the universe is opening up. It just didn't really hit home for me. It it just. I, you know, I can't really point to anything about it that's going to make me say like, oh, that was a bad movie or oh, that that failed completely. But it just doesn't hit home for me. It doesn't have the power for me that the other ones do. Number eight on the box office and right where you have it, number 11 on Rotten Tomatoes. Woo-hoo! So you synced up pretty well. <laughs> Iron Man 2 isn't that far away from 11, so I'll just wait to give my opinion on it in a minute. Captain America the First Avenger to me I feel like this is to me this is the hard line like I really legitimately feel these bottom 3 that I have are just movies I won't watch again and everything else above is just a matter of choosing between the lesser of two evils or the lesser of two greats for that matter Captain America the First Avenger was just very slow it was very boring it was very tonally slow I like it was cool to have a period piece I thought Haley Atwell and Tommy Lee Jones, I mean, good cast. They they did a good job. I did like Red Skull. I, I liked, you know, the part where he pulls off the mask is really cool and he reveals that he's Red Skull. And I love the part, too, where he rolls up in the car. You know, like there was like <laughs> one, one part where they're having the quick montage of how the Howling Commandos are just taking the, tearing the shit out of everything in Nazi Germany. And... Red Skull pulls up to a blown up warehouse or something in the car and it just like that visually was very well done. But like I said, overall it was just really boring. The ending was kind of just so underwhelming. Like no! he just he, he plummets the the plane into the ice and and wakes up and then it's just an Avengers trailer and it's I just, was crying. <laughs> oh no. I just don't think it was that great a movie. I know you have a soft spot for Steve Rogers. <laughs> I know you like period pieces. It just didn't work for me. And I think one of the things I've said before is trends and everything. The trajectory of the Cap movies have gone up so fast so quickly. I think that Winter Soldier was so much better than this movie. And I think that Civil War was better than the last one, which kind of gives away my rankings a little bit, but you know, at least in terms of the cat movies. And I just, I was not very, very impressed. So that in the feels number 12 on the (laughs) box office. So it's actually pretty close to where I have it there as far as what America felt like, well, the world felt like in watching it. Number seven, somewhere in the middle for the critics. So I would like to say the critics probably gave it more points for being a period piece. That's my opinion. So I want to engage in debate on it or would you just like to move forward? Oh gosh. Oh, it hurts my soul. I will, I will defend that movie more later, but I'll say that, no, I didn't find it boring at all. I thought it, it did a really good job establishing who Steve Rogers was. It introduced his supporting characters, all of, not all of many of whom came back to haunt us later. Gosh, uh, the introduction of Haley Atwell's Agent Carter, which has become a cult favorite character. The I thought it was tonally. See, but I'm not part of that cult, so that doesn't work. <laughs> right, for me. right. That you're yes, you haven't joined the cult. I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just think when you add stuff like you know, it's just it's it's very long. It drags, and and it, yeah, it does. You're right. It does, and I don't think the following movies would have been as good if it didn't do what it did, but. Having said that, I just think it was it was too there was too much staging involved. It doesn't stand on its own very well. I thought it was great that it was it was so joyfully a comic book movie. 
it just it just completely embraced what it was. It you know it allowed the tesseract and the red skull and all these things that another movie might have been ashamed of. It was completely unashamed of how comic booky it was, and that was a great lead into the Avengers. Like oh gosh, I also that that director. Uh, whose name I just lost, uh, directed the... Um, oh, you're such a big fan of the film. <laughs> you can't remember the director's name. Uh, <laughs> no, but he... Um, Joe Johnson, that's his name. Johnston, pardon me. But he directed The Rocketeer, uh, which was a very similar uh, feeling kind of period piece, World War II era movie. So you could just tell that this was a sure hand. You could tell this was a guy who was really confident with the World War II feel film and things like that. Yeah, I I love it. I think it did. Look, really I, there's well. a lot of things you're saying that I, I agree with, but I just I also yeah. think when you talk about comic book feel and stuff, I think a lot of the movies I have ranked ahead of it do it better. So I mean, that's just all I can say about that. So all right. Let's, okay. Let's, let's all right. On. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Number ten. You go. Thor, the original Thor. Okay. <laughs> Should I go? Yes. Number number ten for me as well is Thor, the Woo-hoo! original. I'm glad we had a one disagreement already because at this point we're so close <laughs> to where we have. Them. We said at the bottom. We said the bottom would be similar. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't want people thinking we sat up and just made a list that was exactly the same so we could have fun on um, pull a rib on them or anything. Right. No, I um. You know, Thor is my favorite Avenger of all these Avengers, and and I think Chris Hemsworth is very underrated as an actor, and and I you know he gets overshadowed because he's always sharing the stage with Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> but yeah. I think one of the reasons I like this movie at this point, I like every movie moving forward. It's just like I said, a matter of picking. Um, I thought it was a little too orgeny, and I, that's why, like I said, why I have a lot of the Phase One movies so low is they're too orgeny too much origin stuff going on like we get it you know they have to learn how to deal with things and stuff like that uh, i kind of didn't like the fact that you know odin sent thor to earth to like learn a valuable lesson and then two two days later he learns it <laughs> you know, like suddenly he's <laughs> gone from that like brash frat boy you know who's full of himself and wants to pick a fight to that wise sagely warrior in the course of a weekend because he fell in love with natalie portman like that kind of didn't work for me the destroyer fight was cool action wise, but I was like, "That's your, that's like your boss fight. <laughs> it's this robot that shoots fire." So Loki sure as shit ain't the boss. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and this was one. Uh, it was by accident that I saw again because it was on FX. Good job FX, by the way. Always showing the Marvel movies, <laughs> but um, the color palette when they went to fight the Frost Giants. Like I couldn't see anything. It was so dark. Like it was, I was like it hurt my eyes. I was, and and that's like one of my favorite parts in terms of the character of Thor. Like the, where the frost giant tells him, "Run home, little princess," and Loki just goes, "Damn!" Because you see him <laughs> drop the hammer. Like you said, what? Like they were about to walk away, and you just pulled him right back in, and you picked the wrong guy to pull back in. But the whole like uh, visual presentation of it was really poor, in my opinion, because of how dark it was. I guess I'll defend it a little bit since we just we just you you mostly hit what I think is wrong with it. Like I, I really I really did the fact that he learned his lesson so quickly and that I don't know. There, it's a great it's a great movie. I actually really thoroughly enjoy it. And and when I saw it in theaters, was came out pumped, enjoyed it, and everything. But but yeah, there there were a couple things wrong with it that sort of dropped it down my list. But yeah. I will now. I, I guess I'll now defend it and say that that movie should not have worked. Yeah. No, you're right there. It it absolutely should not have worked. It's about it's about Norse gods with these like Shakespearean relationships with each other, and they speak in this elevated sort of style. And the it involves a lot of capes and a lot of like joyfully silly things that. And the- somehow it ties with Phil Coulson. Like you know, we just saw Iron Man two, and we go straight into this. And Phil Coulson, who you're supposed to take seriously as an agent of Shield. And all of a sudden, he's here with you know a guy who's got a magical hammer, right? So, right, exactly. Yeah. It's a man with a magic hammer. Like the movie should not have worked at all, and it does. Mm-hmm. So, and I, a big part of that, I think, is that Kenneth Branagh decided to play it. I mean, yeah, there's there's comedy in it because it's you know the it's the Marvel movies, so of course there's comedy in it. But Kenneth Branagh decided to play it basically straight, instead mm-hmm. of having people poke fun at the at the capes and at the gods and the princes and whatever they they played that part completely straight 
and and that I think is just how you got it to work is you treated it as seriously as you could and that made the audience treat it seriously so I, I give props to the director there props to Kenneth Branagh and part of that is he he straight up said that this reminded him of Shakespeare yeah yeah well when I was watching it on FX you know how they have those like like you know FX DVD on TV and they show like you know, between the commercials they kind of cut with little features that was the thing is they kept talking about how Shakespeare they wanted to go for it right uh, and the the introduction of Loki I thought that that was handled perfectly agreed yeah that he's so sympathetic for 90% of that movie and and then he crosses the line and and that was just brilliantly done because that is that's really where the longevity of that character came from is that you can see where he was wronged and he was wounded and his life took some turns he didn't expect them to and that led him to be this person that he is now well with regards to our comparisons number 11 on the box office so right we're right there where we're kind of where it should be pretty close both pretty had close it at 10 but it was 11 on box office number 9 on the critics so I, I don't have any problems with it being number nine with the Rotten Tomatoes rankings. I kind of have a problem with one movie that's below it, which we'll get to later. Right. But it's you know I, I think it's it's in the ballpark of where it should be. I I, I think one of the things that I will say because we're going to talk about the other Thor movie, I'm sure much later, <laughs> to many people's dismay, but. I feel like one of the things that's always hurt the Thor franchise, which is why I'm so upset about Spider-Man, like the only thing that upsets me about Spider-Man, I know a lot of people are like, why can you, how can you be mad at Spider-Man, is uh, Thor's never had a summer release. This movie was released in November, which is why I think it hurts box office take home. And I would say the same thing about the second one is that it was a November release that followed Iron Man 3. And I think it could have... It's it's not fair that this franchise doesn't get the, the heart of May or the heart of June be released and that right. kind of bothers me a little bit especially because I just have such a soft spot for the character he's my favorite Avenger is of all the Avenger lineup he's probably the one Avenger I read the comic books the most of you know I'm probably most yes. familiar with his his comic book history and that's that's just really disappointing that they can't give him the summer love you know <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. why can't he just get a, a decent summer release just once yeah. okay number nine you go all right my number nine is Ant Man, and that really? was really yes. Wow, this is where we're really gonna start drifting apart. Okay, right, and that was hard. Like I, I'll say, it was really hard because uh, this is this is actually where it started to kill me to rank these things because I really enjoy Ant Man, and actually, in light of Civil War, I when I first saw this movie, I was not sure how it was gonna fit in with the rest of the cinematic universe. I I really was watching it and was like, this is so different from everything else. I don't know how you're going to fit this in and have this guy interact with these other characters. It's just, I don't know how this is going to work. And then it did. It completely did. Right. <laughs> um, and it's a great movie. It's got a great supporting cast. It's got, it's got this great, great zippy feel to it. It's wonderful. I just enjoy some of the other ones more. <laughs> that's all you can say. And that yeah, really that's that's all I can say. And again, I had to, to to be honest in terms of enjoyment, it would be up a couple more ticks, but there were certain ones that I enjoy less than other people do, but that I acknowledge are better films that I felt like I couldn't move them further down the list. Mm -hmm. So, so really it's just there because I I like it a lot, but I'm I'm just not convinced it's one of the best of the movies. All I will say is it's much higher on my list. I, I will yeah. save it for later as to my disagreements with you. Okay. And, um, yeah, <laughs> so we'll just move on. Uh, I guess keeping with our comparisons, number 10 at the box office, which I, I, I don't fault for even though I have it much higher on my list. So you're kind of close by having it at 9. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think just like the – you. Lending itself to Ant Man, like like I think the title is what keeps it from being much higher at the box office, and I think you know people kind of see Paul Rudd and think maybe it's just another like slapstick Paul Rudd movie, which in some ways it is. But I, I was think about to say, yeah, <laughs> it was I, a little I think bit. it's much better than people give it credit for, and why its uh, take home wasn't as good. Number six on the Rotten Tomatoes list, so I'll save more. 
more for later. <laughs> so, All right. uh, number nine on my list is a movie you already mentioned, and, and this is where the line is for me. Every movie above this, I think, is where I had the tough time ranking them. And so number nine for me is Iron Man 2. I think part of the reason why I have it a little bit higher on my list than yours is because of what you said. I think it opens up the MCU. You know, it's our first appearance of Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Nick Fury gets more than just, you know, one scene. <laughs> and, and S.H.I.E.L.D. and Phil Coulson have a much bigger role. Uh, you, you talked about the villains, and, and I agree with you when, with regards to Justin Hammer. I don't want to say that, that Mickey Rourke was a good villain, I just think that uh, I think this is true with a lot of Marvel films is that I think there are a lot of villains and I would put Whiplash in that category. I'd probably take three or four villains from the Marvel pool and say that the thing about Whiplash is he just didn't have enough screen time. Yeah. Like, you know, he goes on the track at Monaco and does his thing, then they put him in jail and then, you know, uh, Sam Rockwell's got him in a dungeon where he's working on computers and then he just shows up in a drone and blows up. Like, right. Mickey Rourke is a much better actor than that guy. You didn't give him a fair shake. And I think it had a tough time balancing what it wanted to be because it was trying really hard to be like the first Iron Man, but trying really hard to be like the first MCU movie, like the first great bigger picture MCU movie. And it couldn't do both. And that's what it suffered from. I would give it a lot higher marks than a lot of people give it credit for. I think it actually has better rewatchability than most. You know, as as much as people don't like it I it, I will watch this again just for fun because I just want to see and and what what people do like about Iron Man what a lot of people liked about Iron Man 1 and which is why I like this one as well is just you get to see Robert Downey Jr. be Robert Downey Jr. That's that's what's great about all Iron Man movies <laughs> and I feel like that is far outweighs the flaws in this film which is why I have it a little bit higher but I understand the flaws in it. It's it's a very flawed film. <laughs> like there's just a lot of things that don't work. There's just not enough superhero action. It's it's more about Tony Stark than it is about Iron Man. And you have to find the balance and and make your characters who have a, you know an, a personal identity and a hero identity. You have to find a way to merge them to where you can't see that line. And that line is very clear that it's more about Tony Stark than it is about Iron Man, and it's not about both. So that's why it suffers, in my opinion. So right. number nine, um, as we already stated, number nine, no, wait, no, number eight on box office. So I was a little closer there. Right. Uh, number 11 in critics. So it was a little bit, I gave it a little bit higher marks than the critics wanted to give it. Right. So, okay. Number eight. Um, you go for it. <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay. Uh- I, that seems oddly low for you because I know how much you like that movie. I, I really enjoy it. I give it a lot of props because I really enjoy it. I love all the Hawkeye stuff, as you know. <laughs> and, uh, and he got a lot more love in this yes, movie than the first Avengers. He got a lot more love in this movie. Or but his I can, cameo in Thor, for that matter. <laughs> right. His, his entire introduction was him uh, not shooting Thor. But, yeah, pretty much. But no, I, I, really, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. I enjoy the way Joss Whedon blends together all these characters. I love the introduction of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. There were things about this movie that I just really... I would watch this movie again and again and again. But I can acknowledge that there are things that didn't work. There, yeah. They tried to put too many things in it. It got a little too long. There is actually a point where there's some the CG in that opening sequence distracts mm-hmm. me a little bit. So, yeah, there are things about this movie that don't work in terms of a film. So I do understand how, how people rank it a little bit lower for them. But for me, yes, you're right. Like, in terms of how much I love this movie, <laughs> I, yes, that's a little low for my personal taste. Uh, it's higher on my list, that's all I'll say for now, but I, I can acknowledge that it is a very flawed film, but I feel like there's so much more leeway you can give this one versus others. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'll stand on that before I actually expand upon my feelings for it. Uh, let's see, Ultron was number two at the box office, Yep. which is more of an Avengers thing than a, <laughs> you know, than a... Uh, I don't know, just more people want to see all of them together, which I think it has more of a blockbuster draw, so not surprising. And with the critics, it's number 10, which I think is far too low. Yes, I agree. It was two spots higher for you. I think one of the reasons why it is so low, though, is it suffers from comparison, and it's just natural for critics to bring movies down harder 
in sequel form. Right. Sequels if, always have a challenge of that. So. Right. If you're a sequel to one of the greatest movies ever made, then that's yeah. hard. Okay, my number eight. This one's hard for me because this is the one that I've had the most trouble with. I have tried very hard to move this up. I have tried very hard to, like, I know I'm going to get so much hate for this. This is going to be hard from you and probably everybody. All right. Number eight for me is Guardians of the Galaxy. I knew knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Oh, no. (laughs) This was so hard for me. It was so hard because I love this movie. I love this movie. It's so fun. And that's where I think you and why you and I are so far apart on Ant Man is because Ant Man to me was so much fun, and this one has the same kind of fun. Yes. So there's so many things I like about it. I'm not gonna say too many good things about it because I know you have it much higher, and we'll have plenty of time to gush about it when you come when you yes. when you say where it is. The reason I have it here, I didn't realize this until I was making this list. This is one of the I rewatched like five or six of these movies. This is one of the many that I had to rewatch. And the reason I had to rewatch is I never realized I never saw it after the theaters. I only saw it once. So I had to watch it again. So part of the reason I had to bring it down is because when I'm watching it here in my living room, it doesn't have the same magic as watching it in the theater. So I don't think I think that brings it down a notch because all the, you know, the magicalness of space and the adventure and everything brings it down when you're watching it. So I feel like the rewatchability factor brings it down. Also, it's not a MCU movie. It is a standalone movie. You could know nothing. Like, aside from a little bit of Thanos, you could know nothing about what happens in the rest of the MCU, and it would just be on its own. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing for ranking it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, th- I think that it's a great movie on its own, and it's a great Marvel movie in a lot of ways, but it's not a good MCU movie because there's, you know, and you're in space. You could have done a Thor connection, which I guess technically you did with the Collector because the Collector was in an after credit scene. But oh, it was just, it was so hard for me to put it low. I just, and I look at the movies I have above it. I just can't justify putting it ahead of every other movie I have above it, especially because every movie I have above it works so well with each other. They weave in and out so much. So I hate saying that it's number eight because it just does not justify what a great movie it is. I apologize to everybody. (laughs) I know you're mad at me. I was up nights, guys. Like, this is how hard my life is. (laughs) It took me less time to figure out that I wanted to propose to my fiance (laughs) than to figure out where I wanted to rank Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sure Jess will be happy to hear that. (laughs) Well, that was an easy choice. I love her to death. That's all I I knew I wanted to spend my life with her. But, you know, the gravity of that decision is so much more impactful in one's life than how a movie ranks. This but, was so much harder. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's, that's really all I can say about it. I know it is number three on the critics. So obviously I'm way off with the critics. I don't disagree with the critics. I just, ranking them is a much different story. So, and number five at the box office. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty off with that. All right. So. Okay, folks, we're going to make a quick turnaround uh, to refuel, and then we'll be back on our way. Oh!